Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Frank, for this opportunity to share this morning. I've entitled my message, Embracing the Mess. Right? So my invitation to us this morning is to take a look at our lives as it is, but through the lenses of God. So Embracing the Mess. And you've got a, if you want some notes, it's there. So I want to say this, I want to start with this. The Christmas story is messy. The Christmas story is messy, right? If you don't believe me, let's look at the Christmas story. How does it start? A godly virgin involved in a scandal. That's how it begins, right? The scandal of an unwed mother. Right? Matthew 1.18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, think about it. Probably the most important day or season of a woman's life. She's engaged. She'd be planning the wedding, Right? How many of you planned your own weddings? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My wife did. I just said yes, dear. So she, except, except, yes, I was probably one of the three wise men. <laughs> and they learned how to say yes, dear. Now, so here she's planning all this, right? And then she's pregnant. Now, look. If my daughter came to me, I love her dearly. If she came to me and said, Dad, an angel came to me and said that I'm pregnant, right? I'll say, honey, I love you. We're going to celebrate um, this child, but that guy is not an angel. <laughs> it's unbelievable, right? Yet it's true. It's recorded in scriptures, right? So here is a godly virgin, and she's known as a godly virgin, right? Involved in a scandal of being pregnant before marriage. Then there's the righteous man, Joseph, right? His struggle. He's righteous. But still, can you imagine what's going through his mind, right? And he's thinking, what a mess. What a mess. He doesn't know it's God yet, you see. What a mess. He said, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly. That's how righteous he was, right? So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Christmas story is a messy story. As a couple, they finally decide, this is God. And they finally decide to do it God's way and to obey God, right? But there's a complexity in walking in God's ways. You know, many times we buy into the Job's friends theology. You know what's Job's friends theology? If you're familiar with the book of Job, Job's friends theology was very simple, not complicated, right? Obedience equals to blessings, Disobedience equals to suffering and pain. 
Obedience equals blessings. Disobedience equals pain. And so through that lenses, they look at Job and look at Job's messy life and very easy, all right? You're being disobedient to God. That's why you're in pain. That's why you're suffering, right? And we know the story that uh, eventually they had to be prayed over by Job himself, right? To cleanse that theology that they had, right? Because they couldn't embrace the messiness of life. But here's a couple walking in the um, ways of God, but life becomes more and more complicated for them. Right? So here they are trying to do the right thing, and then they have to leave uh, because Luke, 2, uh, Luke chapter 2 says, All return to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. So there was a census that needed to be done, and everybody by law had to go back to their towns right, to be registered. And for Joseph, it was Bethlehem. Right? And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Right, a, a, a young man with a pregnant woman making their way there. All right, and verse seven says, "So she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him snugly." I like this. I like that we have not put a throne here, because the Christmas story is a messy story. There should be a little bit more mess here. Where's Frank? He might tell me off. Laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. We can't handle messiness. So we, when messiness comes into our own life, we just tend to ask, why, why is this happening to me? Why, why God? Why? Right? Um, but you see, it gets worse for this couple. Right? Matthew chapter 2, 14 to 15. That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother and they stayed there until Herod's death. So not only they had to travel while she was pregnant, now she had just given birth all right? and they had to travel again into Egypt. The Christmas story is a messy story. What about the wise men? Right? They come from the east and they go to Herod the king and trust that this man is going to be equally as excited as them that the Messiah was going to be born. And so they go to Herod and, Her and Herod, Herod said this to them, right? Go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too, right? Deception in high places. And then what about the broken world? The Christmas story is a messy story because it, it too talks about the devastating effects of evil men and decisions they make. Matthew 2.16, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Murder, right? Just devastating, tragic killing of innocent children, right? The Bible doesn't shy away from the messiness of the Christmas story. Right? The Bible places Jesus Christ right in the midst of the messiness of life. Of course, 2,000 years later, 
we've sanitized it a little. We've cleansed it a little. Right? We've cleaned up the manger a little. Um, and, we've, and just in case it wasn't clean enough, we throw in a fat man with a red suit. Right? Maybe that would, and a little bit of a ho ho ho. His vocabulary is not much. Right? <laughs> English is a second language, obviously. You see, we can't handle the messiness of life. And so we clean up the Christmas story. But the first Christmas was a messy Christmas. We say Merry Christmas, but I think we should me- re- greet each other Messy Christmas. <laughs> what happened? What did I say? <laughs> Life is messy on this side of eternity. And we just got to embrace it. Life is messy, right? And the Christmas story is immersed in the reality of the messiness of life. The Christmas story is messy. But you know what? You'll also find divine moments in the messy Christmas story. Mary, what appeared to be a scandal was in fact divine favor. Luke one twenty eight, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. Not scandalous woman, favored woman. You put on the lenses of the divine and you start seeing divine moments in the messiness of life. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. Luke one. 42 to 45, um, Mary goes to see Elizabeth. And then the Bible tells us Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Messiness, but put on the lens of God and you see divine moments in the messiness of life. What about Joseph? From the depths of despair to the most significant event in history. Right? Matthew 1, 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. What began as a messy, messy story for Joseph, right, ended up that he was going to steward the salvation of mankind. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Sounds like a messy story. But then you put on divine lenses. It's, it's God protecting that family. Same thing with the Magi. Many, manipulated by evil men. But then 
redirected by divine intervention. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. There's tragedy too in that broken world where the Christmas story exists, right? The tragedy was that children, boys under two, were murdered, all right? But then, in the midst of that tragedy, you see God's intervention for this family where that boy was kept safe. We look at the messy story. We see how messy the Christmas story is. But then when you put on divine lenses, you can see divine moments in the midst of the messy story. And I'm suggesting to you that life is messy. You are living in that life, that messy life. And I'm saying there's no need for us to sanitize our messy life. There's no need for us to put a ho-ho-ho in our messy life. But there is a great need for us to put on divine lenses and take a look at our lives again and look in the midst of the messiness of our lives. There are divine moments in God. The Apostle Paul would write years later about the Christmas story and this is how he told the Christmas story. Galatians 4, 4-7 When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. Since you are his child, God has made you his heir. That's the Christmas story. That's the Christmas story when you put on the lens of God. Christ born in the midst of a messy, messy world. But then God's plan was this. He sent his son into this messy world so that he can set us free. Free from what? Free from the law. Free from religion. Free from doing this or else God will reject you. Free from if you don't follow every single rule of religion, God will reject you. Free from all that, no longer a slave, that you can walk in, not because of who you are, not because of what you have done. You walk straight into the throne room of God because you are his child. That's the Christmas story. That's the Christmas story in the, when you put on the lens of God. He now sees us in the whole messiness of our lives and whatever we are going through, he looks at us and he sees a child. Life is messy. Embrace it. Don't sanitize it. But look for the divine moments in your messy life. So let me give you a few suggestions as we close this morning. Then we'll take communion. 
How do you ensure you see the divine in the midst of your messy life? Firstly, lean into the positive. It's nearly impossible, I put there in your notes, it's nearly impossible to observe divine activity when you're immersed in negativity. If you're just immersed in negativity, it's difficult to find God in it. Right? Because there's such a thing as negativity bias. Right? Um, the brain tends to favor negative events more than positive. Right? Just take a look, just, just think about your memories. It's easier to remember negative things that happen to us. It takes a little bit more um, time and energy to remember the positive, right? Um, psychologist Rick Hansen said this, the mind is like Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive ones. I like that. The mind is like Velcro for negative events. The moment something negative happens, it sticks sticks to us. We remember that experience as if it happened yesterday. Doesn't matter how many years ago it was, you'll still remember it. As you start talking about it, you remember, right? The mind is like that. It registers negative. Velcro. Rip it off. But Teflon, for positive ones, you know, you can say all the lovely things to someone you love. I could tell my wife every day how beautiful she is, right? One day I could say, man, you look a little fat, right? That's it. Velcro, Teflon. I would never say that, of course. I'm smart. And you know why I'm smart? Because I'm the fat one. Look for the good in every situation and you will find God working in that situation. Look for the good. I'm telling you, because God is good, if you find something good in your life, God's there. If you find something good in the messy world, God's there. When you look at the mess in this world, all right, remember, look for the good, and you'll find God's work in the midst of that. Right? If it is good work, then it is God work. Lean in to the positive. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is surround yourself with believers, not just believers. There are many believers who don't live like believers, right? Surround yourself with believers, those who are living this divine moments in their lives, right? I love the story of Mary going um, to see Elizabeth. Have you wondered why, right? Because, let me read this to you first. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Ze Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Now, if you look at it in Luke uh, verse 36, Luke 1, 36, a few verses before, says the angel was talking to Mary. When, when the angel was telling Mary to believe that she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit, right? she said, how can this be? And then the angel said, with God, all things are possible. And then he gives her, the angel gives her this 
miraculous story, right? And he says, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. That means Mary went to see Elizabeth when Elizabeth was six months old, uh, six months pregnant. Stayed with her three months. It could be possible that Mary actually saw the birth of John the Baptist. Could be. We're not told. But it's possible. Stayed three months. She was six months pregnant when the angel told her that. Right? Now, why am I telling you all these stories? Because I'm saying to you, the birth of your miracle will remind me, I too am pregnant with mine. That's why we have testimonies on Sunday, right? Because the birth of your miracle tells me that I'm pregnant with mine. Because God is no fav- has no favorites. If he's doing miracles in your life, that means he's still in the miracle working business. That means I can claim my miracles too. Hang around with, pe- with believers. People who are living the miraculous in their lives. People who are expecting God to turn up in their messy lives. Hang on to them. Talk to them. Let them stir you up. Because when they give birth to their miracle, you will remind yourself, I am pregnant too. Be mindful of who or what influences you in your most vulnerable moments. When you're most vulnerable when your faith is shaken, go hang around with those who are pregnant with their miracles. Finally, go on an information diet. What do I mean by that? You see, in in computer terms, we use the word giggle. Garbage in, garbage out. Right? People blame the computer, but actually the computer only does what you tell it to do. Right? You put in garbage into your computer, the computer's going to kick out garbage, right? Life is like that for us too, right? What you are focusing on, right? They say, what we focus on expands. The more you focus on it, the more it will expand, right? No more it becomes bigger. What are you feeding on, right? What are you feeding on? I tell you, in today's world, the reason why we get so overwhelmed is because we are feeding on too much news. Just too much. Too much information, right? If you take a look, how much information we have about what's going on in the world and how much information do you have about what the Bible says. You take it and you'll see the weight of your focus. The more you focus on the information of this world, because it's only bad news. Who wants to click on good news? Right? Nobody, nobody clicks on good news. Right? They click on bad news. Right? They, they want bad, bad information. Why? Velcro. We are biased towards the negative. Right? Somebody has a, seven beautiful kittens. Yeah, once in a way we might look at it. But that doesn't stick, remember? What sticks is the negative stuff. Go on an information diet, right? This is what Paul's advice to us is, and I'll close with this. Don't worry about anything. 
Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts. His peace will guard your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, whatever is lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Go on information diet, right? Place your mind on a diet of good things, of God things. Then you'll be able to see divine moments in your messy life. My dear friends, life is messy. Life is also full of divine moments. So you may be having a messy Christmas. It doesn't mean you cannot experience divine moments in the midst of your messiness. Is that okay? We're going to take communion. And I'm inviting you to embrace the messiness that whatever is going on in your life. I don't know. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. But God does. And so as we take communion together, I want you to just pause for a while. And I want you to look at your own life. Your past, your present, your future. The anxieties, the pain, whatever it is. And I want you to look at Christ as you take communion.